morning, everyone. Yeah, as Jeff said, there's work set down the back for, for the kids. And we are going to continue our story in, in Joseph. Joseph's always been one of the, my favorite characters in, in the Old Testament. Um, at the same time, I think he's the, the character in the Old Testament that we have the most information about. And, and to me, he's, he's probably the one that, that illustrates what the life of Jesus was all about in, in probably the most uh, powerful and, and, and amazing way. Um, yeah, so, and, and I think a lot of you probably like the story of Joseph, and, and one of the reasons why we like Joseph is that it's, it's a, a story with lots of drama, and it kind of ends on, on a good note, kind of, not, it's not perfect, but, but kind of. Um, the, the life of, um, of Joseph really starts in Genesis chapter 12. Um, so this is, um, oh yeah, this is Abram. So um, this is where the family line starts. So it starts with Abraham, and then Joseph is the, I think it's the fourth generation down. So here in 12, Lord, the Lord talks to Abraham, and he says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse, and all the people of the earth will be a blessing through you. Now, when, when Abraham, Abraham heard that uh, message from, from God, I would think that he would have been something like, oh yeah, I'll take that. That sounds pretty good to me, you know, be a blessing, multiply. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. But then when we look at Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and, and Joseph, we are like, well, it doesn't quite sound like what was in that job description there. It, it's, um, it's a very different life to what Abraham signed up for. Uh, and, and we wonder, well, how, how did he get through it? How did they get through that? And then, so we can go to Hebrews um, 11, the, the great hall of faith, and we learn that they persevered through faith and trust in God's promises. So part of the promise is, you know, one day I, I will bless you. Um, and so, so one of the reasons why I pulled that up too is that last line there says, all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So we, we kind of have, like we, we look at that and think, oh yeah, that's one of Abraham's descendants, that's going to be a blessing to all the earth. And, and we, we put that to Jesus. Jesus was a blessing to the whole earth. But in, in the story of Joseph today, Joseph is actually fulfilling some of that promise because Joseph will be a blessing to the whole earth or to at least some nations of the earth because he's the one that's going to sustain the people through the famine. 
in the same way that, that Jesus sustains us and, and gets through this famine that, that we are living in today. Um, one, one of the things with, with the story of Joseph, you know, if this is God's chosen family, it kind of looks like a bit of a setback from, from a human point of view. Um, in, like in, um, in the story, God clearly has his hand in the story all the way through, and, and that's part of what the story is, is about, really. It, it's God's faithfulness to his chosen people. But when we look at the story, it's, um, it's really a story where God is causing a worldwide famine, and at the same time, he's providing a way through the famine by sustaining his people while the, the chaos go, goes on. There's, there's another way of looking at it, and that would be that um, it's God providing a garden for his people called Goshen. And this place, it's a Goshen is a place in Egypt where God where God's people get to enjoy the best food that Egypt has to offer offer while there's a famine going around all around it. Um, so God God is still faithful. So he sustained his people while there's a chaos going on. He provides and look after them and, and protects them. It's the same in um, Noah's flood account. God causing a worldwide famine, but at the same time, he looks after his own by providing a safe way through the, the flood. He doesn't, so God doesn't take them out of the flood while the flood happened and God clears the earth and then pops them back in. No, they somehow survives through it. And, and it's really the same with, with us today. You know, God, God doesn't take us out of my trials and my difficulties, but he, he uses them um, and he provides for me while, while I go through these, these hard times. I, I was just reminded of that... Um, the footprint in the sand where someone is just looking over his life um, and he sees the, the two set of footprints in the sand, but at the hard times, there's only one set of footprints and, and the idea is that God is saying, well, that's when I carried you. I walked with you all along, but at the hard times, I carried you through whatever that difficult period of, of time is. So we are going to start looking at, at Joseph today. We'll, we'll just spend a little bit of time in chapter 40 of, of Genesis. So we've already heard about Joseph. So two weeks ago, we heard about Joseph having the two dreams at his father's house um, about his, uh, essentially it was his brothers would be one day bowing down to him. The, the second dream was about the stars and the moon and the sun would bow down to him. And I kind of take that as this is something greater than just the family bowing down to him. This is talking about a nation or a world that will one day bow down to Joseph. And this, that's where his father was saying, that's silly, you know, don't, don't, don't go there. Um, 
so in, um, in chapter 40, we, one of the things that we learn in there is Joseph's credibility as an interpreter of, of dreams. And also, we can pick up a bit more of, of Joseph's character uh, in there. We, um, in the story, we find Joseph in a pit in Egypt. So he's throwing in a pit there. And uh, it is in this pit or prison that two of Pharaoh's officials end up uh, because Pharaoh, for some reason, got, got angry with them. So in, Joseph is in the prison. He's looking after the, the people in there. And, and so one morning he noticed that one of or that these two guys are looking sad. I'm, I'm thinking that they probably look sad most of the time, but they, look, they must look even more sad on, on that day. So the two of them, they, they say to Joseph, we, we had a dream, but there's no one in here that can interpret it, our, our dreams. Um, and so Joseph answered is, you know, God can. You, you tell them to me and, and I'll see what I can do. So they, they tell him the dream and Joseph gives the interpretation uh, or the meaning of the dream. And basically, the, the, the meaning of the dream is that in three days, your head will be lifted up, which is just a way of saying you'll be elevated or lifted out of, of prison. Um, and um, so one of them will be elevated to his previous position, which as a cupbearer, and the other one is, is the baker. So he will be lifted out of prison, but only to have his, his head taken off, which is not an easy message for Joseph to deliver, but someone has to do it. So this, this is... Um, I think we can learn something of Joseph from, from these verses. So in Genesis chapter 40, verse 14 and 15, we read, But when it, is, when it goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was forcefully carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing deserving being put in this dungeon or this pit or, or prison. I just find it, it interesting what, what he's saying in verse, verse 15. So he could have said in 15 that my brothers sold me into slavery in Egypt and I was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. But he doesn't he doesn't call anyone's name. He doesn't blame anyone for the bad that's happened to him. You know, if, if Joseph had been a bitter man, he would have blamed the people. He would have named all those that had caused this to happen to, to him. But here we find him, you know, in, in the lowest point possible, serving and caring for his fellow inmate while holding on to his integrity and, and his faith. You know, I, I don't think Joseph would have been one of those that were dragging his feet around in prison uh, or sitting down morning all day. He, he just had this thing about him where he was just 
looking out for others, caring, serving, wh whatever um, it was. When, when Joseph was living at home, you know, that was a total different situation. He was loved by his father. He was his father's favorite son. But when his brother sold his, him into slavery, he was stripped of his identity. He was stripped of his coat, which gave him identity. He was stripped of everything. He had nothing left when he ended up in Egypt except his faith in God and the hope that his dreams would one day be fulfilled. So in the meantime, he was just looking to God, um, believing that God was still in control and God was working out his purpose. There's, um, there's plenty of verses, Bible verses, that, that I could use here, but the one I thought of was First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 or 16, where it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us in Jesus Christ. You know, Joseph didn't have that Bible verse with him in, in the pit there, but I, I, every, everything in there, rejoice, pray, continue, just be thankful. I, I can picture Joseph doing that, even though that would have been a horrible place for him to be in. I think there was, there's something in there of learning, gratitude, and just looking. You're looking above your circumstances. That's all I wanted to do in chapter 40. So I'll, I'll move on to 41. So we've, we've seen that this is where Pharaoh has two strange dreams and no one could explain what they meant. Which, so that means that all of Egypt's professional dream interpreters had nothing to offer Pharaoh which then triggers the cupbearer's memory. He's like, ah, oh, I remember someone. Two years ago when I was in prison, there was this guy in prison who interpreted my dream. We'll, we'll get him out. So they call him out of, of the, the pit, and he comes in before Pharaoh. He's, he's cleaned up. He comes in, and Pharaoh says to Joseph, I had a dream. And no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So we've heard the dream, uh, what the dreams are, but basically it, it's the seven fat cows coming out of the river being swallowed up by seven thin cows, and it's the seven heads of grain, healthy-looking grain being swallowed up by seven thin-looking grains. And um, Joseph says to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Um, so here, what's the... Um, if you're watching here for, for the language, so God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. 
Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance of the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. So in there, it just on that page says, if God has shown Pharaoh, and it has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. Um, we've got to remember that Pharaoh, th this is Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt, the, the highest probably in the known world at the time, who was also a representative of the Egyptian gods at the same time, so, which says, you know, Egypt was uh, dotted with, with idol statues, which Pharaoh was representing, but the statues, you know, they're just idols. They don't communicate. But here Joseph is talking about a God who speaks and a God who reveals secrets. So he's saying, so Moses, uh, sorry, Joseph is saying to Pharaoh, the matter has been decided for God. He will do it soon. Joseph is reminding Pharaoh that it is God who has revealed it to him. And I, I just, I find it fascinating that a young man who has been disappointed so many times can have such a, a confidence in God, even when he's standing in front of the king there, um, how he gives God the, the credit. And I'm, I'm quite challenged by this because how often, like how good am I of giving God the credit for the good things that, that he is doing in my life, the, the way God is, is providing for me. There's, um, we often sing a song here, and I can't remember what it's called, but there's a line in there that says, even the breath in my lung is yours. And every time we sing that song, I have to stop. I was like, man, it's, it's everything that is credited to God. There's nothing that, that is of me. Um, and, and I just think that's, that's quite great to see how Joseph, you know, he just speaks so openly about God. And the other thing, you know, sometimes we can, um, we meet someone, we never met them before, we meet them, we, we talk to them, and um, we might talk to them a couple of times, and then we think, oh, I wonder if he's a Christian, or she's a Christian. And then we find out that, that oh, they are a Christian. And I'm, I'm kicking myself because why did that take me so long? Why, why didn't I sort that out the first time I, I bumped into them? And, and I'm just, Joseph was just so much better at, at doing this. Um, so Joseph said to <coughs> Pharaoh, or his, his advice is to Pharaoh, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioner over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the land of abundance. So this, this is the advice that Pharaoh is giving, oh sorry, that Joseph is giving to Pharaoh. This is what Joseph thinks should be done. 
And then 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to his officials. So Pharaoh asked this question, can we find anyone like this man in whom the spirit of God is? That's, that's good. It's a really good question. We'll look at that. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God had made this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people and are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. In, interesting in here, Pharaoh is starting to speak like Joseph. It's like he's been converted just from listening to the way Joseph speaks about his God. So, so now Pharaoh is convinced that what Joseph is talking about is real. So he's so impressed that by Joseph that he makes him prime minister of Egypt. He puts him in charge of Pharaoh's house, the business, the people, and give him authority over the land. And he said, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And then he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and people shouting before him, make way. So the people were put in, so he was put in charge of the whole land of Egypt. So in here, there's, there's a few things here. His, w one of the things is that Joseph's dream about all the, the, the 12 stars and the sun and moon bowing down to him. It, there's some of that coming through here. Um, that w in that verse where it says, um, you know, when Pharaoh traveled through Egypt, he would have someone running in front saying, make way, or some translation has bow down. And so if, if it's bow down, it's like that rings a bell. You know, when, when the stars and the moon and sun were bowing down, so Moses has been put in charge now of the whole land of Egypt, and they're even giving way for him or bowing down to him. That, that's pretty exciting. That, that must have been uh, quite a, a day in Joseph's life. Because remember, well, uh, we don't know the time frame of this, but it could have been that when he woke up that morning, he was still in the pit. By midday, he was made second in command in Egypt, and the nation were, were bowing down to him. That, that's going from someone who is dead to someone who was made, made alive, or, yeah, he was, because Joseph was, was glorified, wasn't he, in Egypt. He was suddenly glorified, and Again, it, it rings bell of, of someone greater to come when, when Jesus um, came later on. <coughs> now, um, if, if ever there was a temptation to leave his Hebrew heritage behind for Joseph, this was it. God will bless or God will help us deal with failures and defeats. We, we know that from experience. But we may need his help more when dealing with success. I think, I think more people are probably, I, I don't know, but I think more people are probably falling away from the faith, d more doing success than through 
the hardships of, of life. I think in Joseph's case, in Joseph's case, his faith in God and his integrity was firmly decided or established long before the promotion. And that's why he could continue to be this, this man of God that was just so God-centered. I'll just go back to that one there. <coughs> so 37, can we find anyone like this, one in whom the Spirit of God is? I get that is a good, really good question. I guess if Pharaoh had been going to church, it wouldn't have been such a big thing to, to go looking for. But um, remember, this is Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He was surrounded by priests and magicians and advisor who, you know, would be happy to give him advice. But he had never seen someone speaking like Joseph like someone in whom is the Spirit of God. And, and I, f I find it fascinating. It's obviously, it, it's God doing this, but it's, it's quite impressive that Pharaoh is tracing the source of Joseph's wisdom to its source. You know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh recognizes that the source of Joseph's wisdom is, is God or God's Spirit. And it's, it's almost like I want something of that. I, I want whatever Joseph has. I want it. But he didn't know, you know, how to go about it. So the only way was to, to put Joseph in, in charge of, of the nation. So in, in uh, Joseph's God-given wisdom, Pharaoh saw the coming crisis and put a plan in place. Pharaoh saw the evidence of the Spirit of God in Joseph. And in the same way, people who are watching you and I will see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we speak openly and boldly ab about Jesus, people will see um, God in, in, in our character, in our humility, and, and just the way we we are treating each other. Okay, so the, the famine did come, as Joseph had said, and God is then going to use Joseph to help preserve God's people through the famine. So I, I was mentioning earlier, God providing a way through these hardships and God is, is here using Joseph, which jo Joseph then becomes a picture of someone greater than Joseph who, who is to come. And um, just touching a little bit on, on Jesus, when, when he did come, he said, he, he talked about feeding in, in John 6 here, he said, it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, the people around him said, from now on give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hungry, and he who believes in me will never thirst. So Jesus is speaking of another famine here. And this is a, a famine for 
the word of God or for, for the spirit of God. When, when people are hungry, we can feed them, but they go hungry again. But when people are hungry for the word of God, then there's only one solution, and, and that is that, that Jesus is the only one that can satisfy that hunger. It, it's interesting, you're, you know, we are, we are all born with this God-shaped vacuum inside of us, um, which the, the vacuum is craving something, and, and we try all our life to fill this craving or, or hunger for this something, and we, we try and fill it with all the world have to offer, but then when we get true wisdom or when God or Jesus reveal himself to us, then we realize that, oh, that was made for Jesus. It's only Jesus that fits that God-shaped home that we have in the middle of us. Uh, so Jesus and the Holy Spirit is, is the only ones that can satisfy our, our needs. I, I remember reading something about um, these, the cravings that, that we have. You know, there's obviously the craving for God, but when we, we have other cravings, whatever it's for, for chocolate or coffee or food or an adrenaline fix, when we stop and, and think of it, all we really want is more of Jesus. You know, cravings are there, I think, as a reminder that, oh, yeah, I just want more of this. But, but when I think about it, I just want more of Jesus because that, that's the only, he's the only one that can satisfy the, those cravings that, that we long for. I think the, the story of Joseph illustrate how God, through Jesus, would save the world through suffering. So, you know, I, I can learn from this that when hardship comes my way, it doesn't mean that God is absent. He's still in control, and if God allowed his son Jesus to go through suffering to the point of death, then we as his children should not be surprised when things are not going the way we like them. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. So he even promised it. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So, yeah, so, so the world around you may be falling apart. We may be living in the middle of chaos, yet through Jesus we can ex experience that peace of God. Remember when... Um, when Jesus one day was asleep in a boat and there was a storm happening around us, them and the, the disciples thought, oh no, we, we're going to drown. Don't you care, Jesus? But, but Jesus, you know, just walk, uh, woke up and, and said, be still to the storm. But, but, even, but before that, he had that inner peace that this world has no idea about. Um, you know, I've, I've had people um, asking me, uh, different times in, in my life, what, how, can be, how can you be so calm? How can you be so much at peace? And it's like, well, God, God's got it. God will look after us. God will, will provide for us, and, and God has. Um, I, and I think we can all relate to that. You know, we all know people that 
we admire for their godliness, we think, oh man, that, those, it's usually older people for some reason, we think, oh, they're just so godly and, and look, look at them. And, and I would love to be like them. Uh, but then as you get to know these people, you realize that, man, they've had it pretty tough. They, they've been through a lot of things and it hasn't been an easy journey for them. But God have allowed these things for them for, for a reason. And, and then the only explanation is that Jesus had, had gone through it with them. Um, there's um, that verse there is, is quite encouraging um, I'll read it the, the spirit himself testified with our spirit that we are God's children now if we are children then we are heirs, heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory, I consider that the prison sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. So in there, he talks about sufferings, and at the same time, he talks about future glory. So he says, he talks about sharing in his glory, which is still some of that is still to come in part. It, in part, it's here. In part, it is to come. And, and also, there's a glory. There's still a glory to be revealed in us. And, and that's the, the outlook that we need to have. Um, yeah, when you're waiting on God to complete his purpose in your life, live with a confidence that what he is doing and allowing is being used for his to accomplish his purpose and while you're waiting continue to live faithfully trusting God for the future there's um like many years ago when, when I first became a Christian there was um there was a time where I was I was really frustrated with myself that things weren't moving and I wasn't becoming a greater Christian. I, I was thinking I had to improve in my Christian life, and, and I was getting quite discouraged uh, just with some things that were happening. And someone gave me that verse in First um, Philippians chapter 6, where it says that he who started a good work in you, he will complete it, not in my time, but at his time. And it, it was just really encouraging to me to see that on um, on print that he who started a good work in me he will complete it not in my time but in in his timing and and it was just a like a like a burden gone off off my shoulders and it was just yeah god god's got this 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 is another verse that i'll often come back to and i think it's very familiar um since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with persevering the, the race marked before us. So the, the cloud of witnesses is the people in Hebrews chapter 11, which is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all those guys that have 
gone through tough times and we are to just keep those in mind and then we are to verse 2 we are to fix our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart so that verse 2 and 3, you know, it, it's all about Jesus. Fix your eyes of Jesus, and it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So when Jesus went to the cross, he wasn't just looking at the horrible effects of the cross, but he was looking beyond, because he knew what was coming bef uh, after, and that would be all of us, you know, in heaven with him. So, so the reminder is that like Jesus endured the cross, we endure whatever God's put in our way here, but we look to that glory that is still to be revealed. And then verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not lose heart. Now him is talking about Jesus, but it could be Joseph. Consider Joseph who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not lose heart. Joseph had a, a, a terrible time with, with the brothers and his time in Egypt, but he had a hope, too, that one day my dreams uh, are going to be fulfilled. And we, we've seen that again today that, yeah, they, they, they were fulfilled in part. We still got a couple more chapters in, in Genesis where he's going to meet up with the family, and that's a really good story but at least he's, he's out of pit. He's out of the pit now. There's, um, I'll just finish off with this. There's um, two people looking out a window on a rainy day. And one of them says, oh, look at the mud out there. Look at the rain, the dark clouds, the leaves. What a mess. What a miserable day. And the other person look out the same window and say, oh, look at that bit of blue sky out there. And it's like, it just shows me that it, it, whatever we focus on, it's going to determine our attitude to life as a whole. So if I'm always looking at the, the kids' mess in their bedroom, you know, it's, it's going to get me down. But if I'm looking at the, the clear blue sky on a wet day, then, yeah, that it's, it's going to get me through. So if, if I continue to fix my eyes on Jesus, then God's got me. Um, and and we, we do have that hope that there's still a glory to, to be revealed and to, to take part in. So yeah, so this is one of this is my main uh, lesson or, or learning from Joseph is the the attitude of this young man was on God. He he was fixed on God. So we're gonna share in the communion, have communion together, and I thought I would use these verses here. So this is 
back in verse chapter 40, where Joseph is talking uh, to the cupbearer. And it says here, within three days, Pharaoh will lift your head and restore you to your position. You will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you did when you were his cupbearer. But when all is well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. So when it says in here, in verse 14, when it is well with you, so that's referring to when you are back in your previous job as a cupbearer for Pharaoh, when you are in your, your role as the one who passes on the cup to Pharaoh, you, 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 you give Pharaoh his cup of juice or whatever it is into his hand, when you're doing this, this thing of, of taking that cup, when you're doing this act, he says, remember me. So the trigger for the cupbearer is when you're back in, in three days' time, when you're back and when you reinstate it, when you, when you take that cup and when you pass it on to Pharaoh, that's the trigger. That's the trigger that is to remember me because I'm not going to be around. You know, I'm, I'm going to be in, in this pit here. You're not going to meet me in the corridor. So you need, you need a, a, a thing to remember that I'm still in here and you are up there. And I, I just find that it's just fascinating, isn't it? Because what, what does that remind us of? It reminds of, of what Jesus said in the night that he was betrayed. He said in Luke 22, verse 19, uh, Jesus took the cup. No, he didn't. He took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, giving for you. Do this in remembering of me. So Jesus was, he was breaking the bread and passing it to them. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. So he is saying, when you do it, that's the trigger that you remember me because I'm not going to be around. Well, I'm, I am, but I'm not. You're not going to look at me. You're not going to see me. So the reminder obviously, is that we won't forget the cupbearer because what did the cupbearer do? He, he forgot. He, when, he, when he was doing that act, he forgot all about Joseph. Um, yeah, so, so may, we, may we be the ones that remember because, um, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we share communion every week um, and the cupbearer was doing it every day. But he forgot, even though he was doing it every day. But let, let us be the ones that remember what Jesus had done for, for each one of us. You know, we, we were like Joseph. We were stuck in a pit. But God raised us out of that and seated us, you know, with Christ in glory. And it was all done in a day for, for us um, 
yeah, so, so that, is, that is the story worth celebrating. Let me pray, and then we'll share in the communion together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for, for Joseph. Thank you, Lord, that you put him in, 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 our, in our Bible, Lord, and, and the many things that we can learn about you and, and about ourselves, Lord. Thank you for your spirit, Lord, that is at work in each one of us each day, every hour of the day, Lord. And may we not stand in the way of, of what you desire to accomplish in, in and through us, Lord. We thank you for your, your death on the cross, Lord, and thank you for, for the life that we have received through your death and resurrection on that cross, Lord. And may we, may we be the ones that remember you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.